Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Patrick, the Executive Vice President of Operations at Calero MDSL. And they discuss how Calero MDSL simplifies technology expense management for enterprises. Tips for getting to know the culture of a company before getting hired and how to provide a vision and unified strategy to get everyone on your team moving in the right direction. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Give me, give me your like background story. Like what's your, what's your history? Sure. Um, so I am, uh, you're talking family or are you talking life? Like what's your life, life story? Life, life story. Wow. That's, that's pretty deep, uh, here for a Thursday and 60 minutes, but I, I would say this, uh, I'll start off with, I'm, I'm one of uh, three boys growing up. I'm the oldest. And, uh, so it, it goes myself, my middle brother is two years younger than me, and then my youngest is eight years younger than me. So big gap, uh, really didn't hang out with uh, the youngest all that much just because of the age span. Um, but, uh, you know, we all landed here in Rochester, um, and the youngest ended up floating around the country and, and is now in New York City. So we all keep in touch pretty well. But uh, so three boys. Uh, you know, fast forward through uh, schooling, uh, middle school, high school in Buffalo, and then uh, came to Rochester, New York, went to St. John Fisher, uh, did uh, undergrad, grad there, and then I jumped into the uh, working world at Eastman Coda Company and um, started in information systems. And then from there, um, your career just, uh, you know, twists and turns and you... Um, you uh, you go where the where the opportunity is. So uh, the past twenty years been bouncing uh, back and forth between IT and uh, operations, and here I am. So my uh, my uncle spent like his entire career at uh, like I think Eastman Kodak. Did he really? What was he doing there? Yeah, um, he was in charge of the one of their facilities like the floors like where you know there's like a they were producing film at the time uh and they had these massive machines and this huge industrial process to actually make all that film and he was responsible for for the organization of those machines at one point he told me a story where he rearranged the machines but he like went to the company he says hey i've got this new way that we could increase uh production and so he did some business deal where like he got a percentage of i don't know uh, but I was like, that's a really smart business move for, uh, for, for a team member. Yeah. Here in Rochester, uh, you know, East Dakota company was an enormous employer. So everyone, you know, every other person you talk to worked there at some, some, uh, point in time. My grandfather actually, uh, started his career there and ended it there too. So he had, uh, up to 35 years there. So, and when I explained it to him, when I was there, uh, it was like night and day. You couldn't fathom the things we were doing. So it was a it was a great starting point. They they were fantastic, but uh, I would say it was a nice introduction to you know corporate America uh, being at a company that had everything at its fingertips. When you talk about an integrated, vertically integrated supply chain, that's a great place to start because they had it all. 
especially here, they got the Kodak Park, where they're uh, go manufacturing everything from raw material to finished goods and ship it around the world. So great, great introduction to corporate America. I'm curious to learn, Adam was talking about battleships and it was, he was pretty vague. He said, ask him about battleships. And so I'm curious, what's that about? So uh, another organization I worked at, which was uh, a lot of fun, um, it was an industrial uh, pump manufacturing company. So when you think of pumps, you might think of the pump in your sum, in your basement, like a sub pump that pumps the water out, goes up to the road. Well, in, in, in this organization, it's large, massively large industrial pumps. So they could range from two feet in size all the way up to 16 feet in diameter, 10 feet tall, weigh 40 tons. Um, but the ones in particular with the battleships is if you think about a ship, it's in the water. And um, when you need the ship to sink or rise, you have to pump water on and off, right? You have to, you have to fill up the tanks. We would, um, we would produce brass pumps uh, for these, these ships uh, because of the salt water, right? Salt water will corrode metal. So you had to do brass or other metals, uh, depending on what, where in the world these, these ships would be. So uh, it, was, it was pretty neat uh, getting these requirements, working with some uh, enormous uh, shipyards, as well as government agencies uh, to define the specifications. Did those have like computer systems in them or were they just straight up motors? How did they operate? So those ones in particular, uh, when you think about a pump, those are uh, uh, the world's uh, two oldest components when it comes to like mechanical things. You got a pump, you've had the pump ever since you had to get, you know, water out of a well and then the electric motor. So it's just a pump connected to the electric motor, uh, maybe with some oil systems and, uh, and then you go. But eventually they are hooked up to a computer to do monitoring, throughput, velocity, all that stuff. But uh, this is more on the mechanical end. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I, I like the hardware. I never got too into hardware. My dad, he was a, an engineer in the Air Force. The Air Force taught him uh, hardware engineering and software. And they put the uh, GPS systems into the B-32 stealth bomber. That was like his big project. And so I'm really grateful to the Air Force because he came out of that, got into technology, and then I'd go to work with him because my mom didn't want three kids at home. You know, <laughs> She's like, take one of them. I get it now as a parent, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I got two boys, uh, 10 and 13. So they give us a run for the money. Are they having technology related interest yet? Of course. So uh, iPads, iPhones, uh, Alexa, the Alexas, uh, they're turning switches on and off. My youngest, he'll wake up in the middle of the night. He's figured out some configuration on his uh, Echo Show where now he's watching YouTube on it in the middle of the night to help him fall asleep, which we didn't know he was doing until he was caught. So, um, my wife took that out of his room immediately, but, uh, yeah, they're definitely showing interest in, in technology. Actually, they're kind of dependent on it with kids these days. That's pretty much from the moment they wake up until they go to sleep. It's technology, it's phones, iPads, right? It's how they communicate now. Yeah. So what, what are you doing these days professionally? So I am, uh, in an operational technology tech role here at Calero MDSL. So um, I lead operations for Claro MDSL. So we, uh, you know, we offer technology expense management solutions, you know, mobility uh, managed services, and uh, a bunch of other things. 
But uh, when it comes to operations, you know, when a customer decides to uh, team up with us, work with us uh, for these technology expense management or mobility managed service uh, solutions, that's where operations come to. You know, we'll uh, meet with a customer, we'll uh, work with them to get their uh, application stood up, and then we'll uh, support the ongoing relationship with them. So uh, operations here, uh, it's about 550 people and uh, it's all about the customer. So it's uh, very rewarding. Help me understand the hyphen, Claro hyphen MDSL. What is that? So um, about a year, year and a half ago, we merged, two companies merged, Claro and MDSL merged. Two entities came together and we have one new name, Claro MDSL. So, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. As most people just don't ask about it and say, well, you know, and, and say that's the name, right? But uh, no, it, it's really remarkable because two strong uh, brands came together with uh, technologies, talent, and we we formed this larger company, and we have more opportunity now to offer more solutions, more services, and just the technical know-how in different parts of the globe uh, for our for our global customer base. Well, maybe you can help me today because I've got some questions. Sure. Um, I haven't heard of mobility managed services before. I don't know what that is. So what is mobility managed services? So uh, pretend you're a large multinational global company and you have a 30,000 employee base and 15,000 of those employees have mobile phones provided by the organization. So you're providing 15,000 mobile phones in different countries, states, um, and each of those, um, depending on where you are in the world, might have different carriers. You know, you might have Verizon, AT&T, Orange, or others. And uh, managed mobility will uh, do many different things. You know, we'll aggregate uh, your your billings from all those different vendors into our uh, simplified application and solution. We'll handle um, replacements, procurements, you know, um, all those type of things uh, on behalf of the, the enterprise. So they have one unified experience across the globe. Oh, that's pretty neat. So you build some software, you build this platform that helps. We do. We have a big engineering team in-house that uh, build all of our applications and support them. So that's pretty neat. And then what's the tech expense management? I mean, it sounds, it sounds like high level. It's like, how could you not know what tech expense management? Yeah. Like, how do you offer that as a service? So when you, well, it, it, it's technology expense management. When you think about technology, everything we do is technology from the phones we use from, so you have, you have wireless phones that we just talked about. You have wireline. If you still have a, a physical phone in your office, all the internet lines, the uh, networks going from building to building or building um, or, or uh, state to state, for example, city to city. So anything in regards to technology, uh, and, and how you can be billed for that is what we can uh, support and manage on the customer's uh, behalf. So we'll, again, we'll act on their behalf. We'll, we'll aggregate all their uh, billings information into our application, and then we can run analytics on it. We can, we can help them understand what's their usage. Uh, you're overpaying here, you're underpaying here, and it's all about uh, getting the most value and paying what you should be paying for the service uh, services that you have. So That's it's all about optimization. Yeah. So you guys have all this data and now you can do unique things with data. You can see across multiple orgs and what's going on. 
We, we have a lot of data. Um, our customers have access to a lot of data, right? The biggest thing is aggregating it all up and, pro and providing it back in a simple and digestible manner for, our, for ourselves because we have auditors on staff. So we have a team of auditors that will constantly look at a customer's account and look at what was a contracted rate, what were you actually billed, and then we'll look at trending and saying, hey, we're, notice we're noticing a trend going down here. We should renegotiate. Or, hey, we're noticing a trend going up. We should look at what's causing that. And we're always on top of it for our customers. So they are uh, appropriately paying for what they're contracted for or what they're using. It's all about right-sizing. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. I want to talk a little bit about this CTO operations. Were you a CTO? Did you move to operations? Like, what are you now? Give me, give me the insight on that. Yeah, I can give you the insight. So I mentioned earlier in our discussion, I've been in IT and operations for 20 years. So I started in IT. I went to operations, went to another operations gig, went to IT, and then into operations. So I'm just giving you the lineage. And uh, the biggest thing here, when you think of operations in IT at any organization, is uh, leading with the need. Um, and that's something I really stand by. You have to lead with the need. Throwing technology at a situation doesn't mean it's going to get better, right? If you've ever been part of a, a team and they're like, wow, these processes are broken, we need this new tool and it's going to fix everything. How often does that new tool really fix everything? Never. Exactly. It comes down to people process technology, right? And you got to have the processes and you got to have the people trained for the technology to work. You got to practically apply the technology. So what I'm getting at here is if you have a technology background and an ops background, they complement each other. And uh, you can do so much with that because you can analyze the enterprise. You can understand how it functions. And once you standardize the process and you squeeze out all the waste, then you can start talking about technology and automation. Kind of goes hand in hand. So backing into the question you just had, uh, asked about CTO, I was a CTO uh, in my prior life at a large healthcare insurance uh, organization. So, um, you know, uh, participating in all their cloud decisions, uh, um, uh, enterprise architecture decisions, um, API uh, build outs, and uh, really uh, working with uh, the business, understanding what their strategies and plans are, what new things that they want to introduce. And then I'd work back with the architects, the technologists, et cetera, and we'd back into the technology to make sure we can deliver on their goals, strategies, et cetera. So again, that's leading with the need. Lead with the business need, follow with technology. And um, so I was a, a CTO there, and it was very a natural uh, switchover to Calero MDSL because we are a technology company. We have a huge technology engineering department that builds, maintains, supports our applications and operations. The 550 people we have in operations are huge users of that technology uh, supporting, supporting our customers. So when you talk about complementing um, technology, you know, how does technology work? How does it function? How can we make it better? How can we improve it with, um, you know, uh, I'll say the lean, systematic way of, of, of functioning, leading teams, uh, metrics, performance, SLAs. It's a uh, match made in heaven for me. Yeah, it sounds like the perfect role. 
It is. I enjoy every single day here. And it sounds like to me, a lot of the principles and everything, they, they mesh pretty well over title. I mean, I see you, like when I see people, I'm like, all right, they're an executive with a strong background in technology. Yeah. And I think people that have um, pretty, I think the same, it's a similar mindset. It's not too far off, right? Because the organization skills that you need to be a player in technology are sim similar to the organizational skills that you need in operations, right? Correct. It's all about organizing requirements. What do we need to do, right? Having clear requirements in any, in any uh, position, clear requirements, and that will help you best uh, come up with a plan or a solution to satisfy those requirements. But it's either it could be technology, it could be process. So I liked your leadership stuff. <laughs> and then I was like, he's a really smart guy. He could go anywhere. He could do anything he wants. You know, why, why Claro? Why did I, why did I uh, come here? And um, so I came here in January, January I started this year. And, you know, what really attracted me to this place is uh, the people. You know, we have a lot of employees, a lot of global employees. We, we have uh, almost a thousand employees. And it's, we always lead with the customer. What's in the best interest of the customer? What do we got to do for the customer? And when you think about that, you're always going to win, right? Because you always put the customer first. And we, we, always, we always push the other things aside. And what I mean by that is when you put the customer first, it's whatever it takes to get the customer to where they need to be. And we'll deal with all of the internal stuff after the fact. Um, and, and what that, and, and the really, the why that's inspiring is because you can do so much with that mentality. And, um, and when you put the customer first, also, it goes into our products and the way we design processes and the way we hold ourselves accountable uh, and the transparency we have. So it's all the way from the bottom to the top starts with the customer and it, it just lives in our culture here. Um, and that was one of the first things, that was one of the first questions I asked as I was, uh, you know, being looked at or I was looking to come here. Um, what's the culture like? And I got to tell you, it's one of the best. I've been in a lot of places and this is one of the best cultures uh, to work at. How did you, um, I guess, what I want to know, like deeply yeah. want to know is, Okay, so I want to paint a picture for people because everybody has their own experiences. There's a, a wide spectrum of people listening of, of various skill levels. Um, for this type of job at this level, can you describe to me like what what the process was like as far as like meeting with people? Like, did you meet with the different heads of the org? Like, how did you find the culture out? How did you get to know them? Sure. So you you get a sliver of it in the interview process. So an interview is a two way thing, right? They're interviewing me and I'm interviewing them. And you got to, at the very end of an interview, when they asked, do you have any questions for me? You never say no. That's when you start going, right? Uh, and you just, you just poke at, you know, um, what's, you start asking questions of, you know, what's, what, what's the employee engagement like? How open are employees to, 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 you know, raise issues? Um, what's the process for sharing ideas? What's your take on continuous improvement? Um, what is team, you know, how much teamwork is there? Um, especially, you got to ask that question, especially since we're in a virtual world right now. Um, you know, a lot of remote working. Teamwork is essential. And, you know, how are you doing that? And, and what collaboration tools do you have? I, I got to tell you, video is a game changer. If we didn't have Zoom, if we didn't have Teams or the tools that we have now to collaborate, it would be really hard working. 
home. I don't think a lot of organizations would have been successful because I don't know one job where you don't need to interact with another person in your company. It just doesn't happen, right? So um, you got you to ask about the technology and the collaboration and, and also ask about um, what's the vision? What's, what's the three or five year strategy the company has? What do we, what does the company want to be when it grows up or just in the next five years? Ask these questions because that will give you an indication of where does the company want to be? What does it want to do? And how do we treat our team members? So, you know, my follow-up question is going to be, what's that? <laughs> what, tell me those answers for Calero. Where, where are you guys going? Where are we going? So like I, like I mentioned, you know, we have telecom or technology expense management. We have uh, managed mobility services and we're breaking some new ground here with uh, SAS and UCAS management. And what we're doing is we're constantly reinventing ourselves. And, uh, you know, a mantra we have is change before you have to. And you probably heard that before because it's a famous quote, but that's the way uh, we drive and that's the way we hold ourselves accountable. Change before you have to. Change is more natural then. Um, it, it's not forced and you're ahead of it. So we're constantly looking across our existing platforms. How do we improve it? We source feedback from our customers. We source feedback from our employees. And we're constantly iterating, refining it, teaming up with, with our, our product teams and our engineering teams. As well as we're cutting uh, into, into new space with the uh, SaaS and UCAS. You ever heard of UCAS before? No. UCAS is an industry term, Unified Communications as a Service, and it's it's uh, it's it's huge. It really is. So think about um, think about what Unified Communications is. It's Teams. It's Zoom. Anything you use or we use, all the things that play into Unified Communications. So Gartner is a leading um, you know analyst company in the IT world. Uh, Gartner coins things. They may have had some input in this. I can't tell you who really coined UCAS, but UCAS is what you're seeing on the screen here. It's mobility, audio, video conferencing, call recording, desktop sharing, et cetera. Anything to help people collaborate digitally. That's UCAS. Got it. And when you have UCAS, you're thinking of a lot of subscription services, right? Like think of Office 365, think of Zoom. And when you talk about UCAS management, you're now looking at how do we help our customers understand that they're getting the value out of these services they're paying for? So, for example, let's go back to that example. Let's go back to the situation. You're a 30,000 employee global national company, but now your 30,000 employees all have Zoom or Teams, whatever it is. You're paying 30,000 licenses a month at $10 a person. Do you need to be paying 30,000 times 10? every month because you may have a good portion of those employees that are not using Zoom or they could be using Zoom in a limited capacity or they're using Zoom meetings less than uh, 40 minutes. In those examples, we can help organizations say, you know what, you're paying for 30,000 licenses. Only 10,000 people are using them. You don't need to be paying for this extra 20,000. Get those out of there. And then for the 10,000 people that are using licenses, Half of those are doing 30-minute meetings only, so you can go to the free licenses. Now you only really need to pay for five thousand. So that's what unify. You know, that's what that UCAS uh, service and application is all about: helping provide insights into usage into that unified communications uh, technologies 
to make sure you're paying for what you're really using and not overpaying. That's pretty neat because you know once you yeah. build it for the Zoom ecosystem, any of your customers who have Zoom can use that integration. You got it. And we we uh, we just put an app a couple weeks ago in the Zoom marketplace. Uh, so it's uh, it's an app you can load up, install, and then you're off and running uh, using our services. Nice. They're pretty cool people. When I interviewed Harry, the CIO of Zoom, he brought his dog. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've interviewed him twice. The second time he bought his dog and he was like jumping around. It was so much fun. <laughs> My dogs are uh, eight pounds and I think they're like eight inches tall. So they're, you're not going to see them on camera right now. I just wouldn't <laughs> Some of those small dogs, though, they can jump like four feet into the air. They can. They're aggressive. They are aggressive. So, but now, see, now, so now you know what UCAS is all about. Dude, I just learned something new. And that and it was it, it was like learning most things new. It's a little bit painful at first, but then you get to the aha moment. I like what you said earlier though about changing before you have to, because yeah. I was having a conversation earlier today just about that. And like when you when you change before you have to, it's still painful. Like it's always like there's always some amount of pain associated with change, right? But when you do it, when you absolutely have to, or when it's too late, you have stress plus pain. Right. Where you, so the pain's not optional. It's like a constant. It's like, it, it will occur, but it's yeah. like, do you have to endure that pain under enormous external stress as well? Or do you just want to endure the pain while like you're, you're even killed? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and when you have that stress, um, it could, you're rushing. Uh, you could introduce quality issues, um, and, and you could over overlook or skip over step necessary steps. You need to get it right. So uh, you know we take the approach as much as possible. We'll be the ones that drive the change. We'll be the ones that challenge ourselves. I um, just twenty minutes ago, before we got on the phone, I was with our product teams talking about how can we um, identify and collaborate on opportunities sooner and introduce them into our products that both our customers. And our team members here in, in the company um, can get their hands can get their hands sooner. So uh, this is an iterative process that we're always looking at. Back in the like eighties and, and nineties, it was really popular to like crack the whip, stress the employees out, like burn them out, and and we're all making this this change now. Um, I know leadership is a massive topic, right? It's so broad and means so many things to different people. But yeah. uh, w- what do you think about leadership? I think leadership is uh, it's, it's, it's needed, it's critical, it's essential, and it's kind of the rudder on the boat, right? Without the rudder, the boat floats. It, it can go in a hundred different ways, but it's not all going in the same direction. We all have to go in the same direction. So leadership is, is really essential to um, providing that vision, that mission, the unified strategy, and then uh, putting plans in place to get everyone organized to move in that same direction. And once we're moving in that direction, we support the team members when they need help. And then, um, and then once we hit that, that, uh, that goal or that place we want to be, we set the next vision and we keep moving. We don't stop. We don't stand still. Right. You stand still, you die. (laughs) Well, until that, and then, yeah, you have no choice. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but but another key is along those ways, stop and listen. You know what's working well, what's not. Take feedback in. Don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to change your plan. Um, 
but listening is, uh, is, is key, uh, being a leader. So I'm curious, um, you're a pretty fit guy. You're well-dressed, you're clean cut, you're well-spoken. All of these things are things you can control, right? Yeah. Um, and they're, and they're not subjective, like you can just do them. And yeah. I'm curious, you know, we, we hear a lot in, in leadership about, especially like from Goggins, I don't know if you like David Goggins or not, but he's like raising the bar. So okay. he's like always trying to like raise the bar as a leader, you're raising the bar. It's, it's almost like inspirational. Like if you start waking up at like 4am, people are like, Whoa, that's so cool. You know, it's, it's weird. But if you raise your personal bar, it, it, you get some sort of like respect from doing difficult things from the people around you. And so I'm curious, you being in a leadership position, you get almost a thousand people at this company. A lot of them are looking to you for technology, like leadership and operations yeah. and things. How do you raise your, your bar? So I think another important part of being a leader to answer that question, I think you have to be humble, right? If, if, um, if you put yourself on a pedestal, you could, you could become disconnected with the group, the team, you know, the, the folks you're working with. So my mantra is be part of the team. I, I always say we're all on the same team. We just have a hierarchy uh, or roles that create, you know, create a manager. Uh, team member relationship. So we're all on the same team. So when you're humble, I'll get on calls and I'm with my team and we're talking about issues and I'll just, it, it's all about asking questions, not directing. Um, what support do you need? What can I do for you? Right? Because if you have a leader that is always has to lead the conversation, make all the decisions, fix all the problems, you are not building a sustainable organization. You want to have succession planning. You want sustainability. So you can take vacation or you can promote people in the bigger roles and you're not worried about it. And, and when the people uh, grow into these roles, you have retention and, and it's just better around for our team members and our company. So uh, I, I believe in uh, just be humble, be, be a, a humble leader, but lead by example, right? Don't, uh, I would never ask someone to do something I wouldn't do. So you, you've just gotten into these good routines of personal care? So I do wake up at 4.30 every day. You I really? do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I wake up at 4.30. I'll, uh, I'll lift in the basement for an hour and 15 minutes. It's a whole schedule here, right? You're an op I'm an ops guy. You got to have a schedule. You got to have a routine, right? Um, you can edit out whatever you want, but I'll lift. I'm watching Billions right now. You ever yeah. watch Billions with Bobby no, is Axelrod? It, is it good? What, what network? It's on uh, Showtime. 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 It's uh, uh, if I could recommend two uh, shows, do um, do Billions and do Succession. Fantastic shows. Uh, it, it really puts you in situations of these multi-billionaires uh, who run hedge funds or just have inheritances, and it's just very situational. A lot of drama. Very good dialogue. It's it's, it's very. It, it keeps you engaged. But anyway. You do that, and in, in that that starts the routine of the day. Work out, watch TV, and then uh, move on with the day. But get it over with up front so you have more time to do what you need to do. I mean, we're at a global company here. Claire Omnisal is a global company. Uh, my day doesn't end at 5 o'clock, right? Even though I get here at 7.45, 7.30, my day doesn't end at 5 because it's global. Like it, it could go on until 8 p.m. So you just got to make sure you, the things I need to take care of are taken, taken care of in the beginning of the day so I have more time for our people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, so I, I wake up, I do a little run and then I eat and then I lift. 
Um, and then I start my day and I'm like at 110% uh, yeah. by the time that the office opens, you know, you're wide awake, right? You're wide awake. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. And then some, yeah, I'll just say that's a, that's a good behavior to have. Don't, don't drop that. We get punched in the face. It's not like it's <laughs> like, so let's talk about what I was like before. Sure. So I would just wake up at like a normal time, you know, eat some breakfast, do, and then go to work. And what would happen, and I would work out after, right? But um, what would happen is like all this stuff is coming at me. And I'm like, not, I realized that from the time I wake up to the time I'm like fully booted, it's like two, two and a half hours of, of time um, before I want to be handling, you know, stress or problems or, you know, doing, you know, working through things. So I figured, all right, well, I have to, be like an athlete if I want to be better professionally. And so I started training like an athlete. I got a trainer. I started studying like nutrition and understanding, uh, you know, the different macros and uh, wow. ratios. And so I just, you know, got nerdy with it. Like I, like I do. And yeah. I was like, this skill will last me for life. Right. Nutrition skill. I was like, I'll learn that and I'll learn how to work out. Yeah. It's going to help you as you get older. I can tell you that much. But so many people right. ask for career advice. And I want to tell them like eat better and and work out. <laughs> you gotta you gotta if I have seen this and to your point, uh, leaders leaders who have self discipline in their personal lives and like a routine and they stick to it that carries into their professional lives and other people's do do ask about it and it it can become contagious. Preach, Patrick, Patrick, come on, man. Yes, I, I was talking about that you know, before COVID, like when I could go out and give talks in person, um, discipline in your personal life. I said that, like, I love that. I love that you said that. I like you so much, Patrick, because it's true. And most people don't see it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. Just have the set schedule, right? But even on vacations, you got to stick to the schedule too. So. Yes. I have a, I have like a modified vacation schedule but like it's mm -hmm. it it's all the same things in the same order for the same amount of time it's just when i'm going through time zones it, it changes dude this is this is really great so um i i'm going to share with you really quickly about sure. um how i learned discipline initially and then i'm curious about yours so sure. when i was uh when i was 12 i got hit by a car and i was in a wheelchair for like a year and had to go through the process of learning how to walk again sure had to have like a nurse, like, you know, take care of me and help me bathe and all of that stuff. So that taught me uh, humility <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> I got right? you. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I became a much nicer person uh, through that process. But um, the discipline of, you know, having to sit there and like move, move my ankles and my feet and, you know, when there's like no muscles and to get feeling back in them. And it was just such a long process. It just forces you just to be like boil it down to the moment. Like today's just going to be today. I'm just going to run the routine. And so that's where I learned a little bit of discipline um, along with my, my dad being in the air force, like having us make our beds. But uh, I always like to look back and be like, where, where are the points when I sort of, sort of learned that discipline was important. And so I'm curious for you, when did you learn discipline was important? When I would say um, probably college, when I had to start, you know, really buckling down, um, that's really when I started to try, I'll put it that way. Like I wanted to get great grades, strive for a four Oh, just one semester, just give it to me one semester, but that started the routine. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you're transitioning into, uh, the workout routine, um, I, I mean the freshman 15, how about the freshman 30? 
I gained some weight. Right? They had great food where I went to school. Fantastic food. Not the healthiest, but fantastic. I gained quite a bit of weight. And uh, my mother's personal trainer, she's like, hey, Patrick, uh, you might, it might be time to go to the gym. This is, you know, just getting a little out of control here. So I, uh, I listened to her and I went and in uh, three months, you know, I just started lifting weights, redu- uh, watched what I was eating. N- nothing, you know, no, no fad diets, none of that stuff. I just watched what I ate, uh, lost 50 pounds in three months. And then, uh, and then built back up, you know, with the weightlifting, et cetera. So, yeah, I want to bring the conversation back to Claro so we can give sure. people some more information there. When people are listening, I, I you know, your company's growing, it's getting big, right? And so yeah. that means you're providing a service and typically people will be experiencing a problem, look for the solution. Where is that device count? Like at how many devices do I start noticing? Like, this is a problem. I need to do something. And your customers are seeking you out. Uh, I mean, what, what I've seen since my, you know, with my tenure here, you're talking, you know, around the, the thousand, uh, you know, a device mobility device count is what I've seen coming, coming in, uh, recently. But again, it, it goes back to spend. Um, and it's, you know, think about a cell phone. So, uh, a lot of companies don't do unlimited plans because it costs a lot of money. So they do like two gig plans. So you'll have some users that are under two gigs. And you'll have some users that tether the phone to their Peloton and stream the app. And, oh, my gosh, they have a 50 gig, you know, usage and their bills astronomical. And they're so um, it, it, all, it, it really is a balance between device counts and then uh, your, what, your, what your mobility spend is. Because your mobility spend will help us determine and analyze your count. Where, where are the savings? What can we find you? Because it's not just managing for you. That's, that's part of the great value add. But you know, part of the value proposition is we can assess your usage, your spend, um, and aggregate that and make recommendations back to you. We'll make a recommendation back to you, um, Joel, and say, hey, you know, we're seeing, you know, uh, these users in this state, uh, their data consumption's 10 gig versus two. I think you should upgrade these plans to 10 gig. We, 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 over the course of two years, we see the saving you X amount. Is that something you want to do? Yes, we got it. We're going to go take care of that for you. All you have to say is yes, and then we got it. That's it. That's how easy it is. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.